for years, I mean like decades, and Sunday it was gone. Amen. What an awesome, awesome experience. You can lay your burdens down. You can lay those, those weights that you carry. Amen. What an awesome privilege that we have, uh, that Jesus loves us enough, that he gave his life for us, shed his blood so that our sins can be washed away and our burdens we don't have to carry. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. Luke chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 7, and then I'm going to let you be seated. It says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Like, that's the worst thing in the world. He receives sinners. He, Jesus is hanging out with sinners. Whew. How awful. Right? But that's kind of the world we live in, you know, religious people. Oh, you're hanging out with the sinners. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, Well, what man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Amen. I want to speak to you for the next few moments, and we're going to start a series called The Pursuit tonight. And uh, we'll be doing this a little bit over the next few uh, midweek services. But we're going to talk about the pursuit. And tonight, we're going to talk about the one is worth it. The one is worth it. Amen. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us here tonight. Help us, God, to be encouraged and inspired by your word. And help us, God, to realize how much the one is worth. And God, we'll give you the glory and the praise for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Not too uh, long ago, I was traveling uh, down the road with my wife, and uh, we were listening to music that we used to really think was cool. We were listening to, some of you will never have heard of who I'm going to talk about, but we were listening to Michael English. Now, I'm not talking about the late Michael English. I'm talking about Michael English from like 1992 and 1993, uh, and there's a song on one of those albums uh, that he made way back in the 90s uh, that it says, let's start a party up in heaven, and uh, it, it's, such a, it's such a cool song. The concept is that uh, we, can, we can start a party by uh, seeing people come to repentance, by reaching out and showing people God's love and bringing them to repentance. It's, it's really kind of a cool song, and, and it made me think, and I was talking to my wife, and I said, you know, this music's still kind of cool, you know? And I was, we were listening to it, you know, and we were singing the parts, and Michael English does all kinds of vocal tricks, and we were tricking out, you know, we were just doing all kind of crazy stuff, and our kids were looking at us like we lost our minds. And I said, and then I turned over to my wife and said, you realize this was put out 27 years ago? And then I was like, then it dawned on me, I was like, I am really old. But anywho, uh, I, I wanted to bring us to this point where we look at some of the parables, especially uh, Jesus makes such a big deal in the New Testament with his parables about reaching the lost. He is 
so concerned, so uh, enamored with the lost and reaching the lost that he makes it such a, a big part of his ministry that he, he kind of tells us the stories and shows us the importance of the pursuit, not the pursuit of anything, but the pursuit of those who are lost. And so in this text that we just read in Luke chapter 15, uh, we see God loves the lost so much that he goes out of his way. Somebody say, he goes out of his way. He goes out of his way to pursue them. This parable in Luke is about God's willingness to pursue not a group, but one. Everybody say one. Not, not many, just, just one. And in this story that we read about the lost sheep, God is, is likened to the shepherd. God is the initiator. He's the seeker. He's the one who is actively and diligently pursuing the one who is lost. And I, I remember uh, growing up, Sometimes, and I don't, you don't see them as much anymore, but sometimes on the street that I lived, uh, they're on Jackman Road, sometimes uh, even in, in the, the, the streets in Sylvania, Ohio, where I lived growing up, they would have these, these uh, you know, light posts or lamp posts or whatever, and, and they would post pictures of lost, you know, uh, whatever, uh, you know, lost Shih Tzu dog uh, answers to Lucky, you know, or something, and, and they would have these pictures of lost pets, like lost dogs and and lost cats, and they would post these pictures. And when I first saw these signs, you know, I I, I love dogs, you know, so I, I I was feeling this great sympathy for those who had lost their pet. But you know, it kind of was weird because nothing seemed to happen. Like uh, they didn't come back and take the signs down. I don't know if the pet was ever found or not, but I, I kind of was like, you know, the picture's fading because of the weather, and uh, the, the seasons are changing, and yet some of the signs are still up, you know, and I, I couldn't help but wonder, is anyone actually looking for these animals? You know, uh, you know, do, do they expect me to do all the work? Like, they put up these signs, and like, go find my animal, and, uh, you know, assume that the pets would really like, hey... Did you see they posted a sign about me? I better go home, you know? I, I just wonder uh, how this really works. Did they, did they see the signs? Did somebody, hey, did you see they put your sign up on Main Street? Uh, you better check in at the house. No, I don't know. I don't know if that's how it happens, but, uh, you know, did the owners do much about it? Did, did they, you know... Uh, did they walk up and down the street? Yes, they put the signs up, but did they go, you know, and look for them in the alleys? Did they go and knock on some doors? Hey, have you seen my... I don't know. I don't know what they did, but I can tell you that we know the way that God seeks is very particular. The shepherd doesn't just put up a sign that says, hey, I lost a sheep. The Bible says he leaves the 99 behind and goes after the one that's missing. He searches for the one that is missing. He doesn't just put up a sign and say, oh, by the way, I lost a sheep. He said, I'm looking for my lost sheep. And uh, what's awesome about this is he knows the places to look. If you lose a pet, I was thinking the other day, my, my kids are frantic. We have uh, the cutest little puppy, and, and he is awesome, but he likes to run out the door sometimes. And, uh, you know, he is not really an outside dog. He is his mother's lap dog. That's all he is. 
Uh, and so when it's, you know, if we're standing up for too long, he doesn't like that. He's like, sit down. I want to sit on your lap. And that's, I mean, that's just how it's got to be. He's not an outside dog. So I got to thinking, you know, how bad would it be if, if Brutus was to get out of the house and run down the road and he was lost and we couldn't find him? Yeah, yeah he's got a tag on and people know how to get a hold of us, but would they call? I mean, he's cute, you know. They might just take the tag off and try to keep him because he'll lick them to death, you know. Uh, I don't know, but, but I can tell you one thing. I can tell you that we would have some sick people in our house if our pet was lost, we would be scouring the neighborhood. Some of you know what it's like. You'd be, you'd be scouring your neighborhood if you lost one of your animals. And, and I, I got to thinking about that, and I thought, why? Why would you do it? Why wouldn't you just be like, eh, it's just a dog? Because that dog means so much to you, or that cat means so much to you. I don't understand why a cat would mean so much, but a dog, I truly understand how a dog could, sorry, Christina, I do, I mean, sorry, Diana, but I do know how a, a, a dog, you know, a dog kind of like becomes, you know, he's like a member of the family, or she's a member of the family, and it's, you know, and, and I, I don't want to even, you know, this is going to sound really kind of strange, but, you know, after a while, you just, you love that dog, you know, I don't know why it is, but like, if it stays in the house long enough, you're going to love that dog. Even if it's a stinker, you're going to love that dog. There's just something that happens. And, and I, I, I started to think about how one would feel if they lost even an animal. And I thought, why would that dog be worth it? Well, because of the care, the love that the owner has for that animal. And I thought, why is the one so worth it to God? Because he gave his life for them. That soul matters to God. That one is worth it to God because he sees you differently than you see yourself. We've got to love the lost like God does. And we've got to pursue them with grace and rejoice when they turn their lives to God. And, and, and here's why. Because you were worth it. You were lost. <laughs> So how did God see you? How does God see you? Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Your value, the way God sees you, begins with the fact that you are made by the hand of your creator in his very image. He thought enough of you to make you just like him. You were made in his image. In Isaiah 49, 15, it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. This is what God says, Yet I will not forget you. It's harder for God to forget you than it is for a mother to forget a baby she had. Any of you mothers forget any of your babies? No. Daddies do. We leave them in the car sometimes because they're not making any sounds and they're in their car seat and we got to go into the restaurant. I've done it. I've done it. Guilty. You know, walked in and my wife's like, where's Ashton? I don't know. I thought he was with you. No, he's not with me. Even if you are forsaken by your family and friends, Ashton, you are cherished in the heart of God. Amen. 
Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God doesn't have bad thoughts about you. God has thoughts about you that are wonderful. He has great plans for your life. He thinks good things towards you. Amen. And then we also see in Jeremiah 31.3, he says, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. His love for you, we sing about it. His love is relentless. His love is immeasurable. His love is infinite. His love, we say, is reckless. Why? Because he loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or what situation you find yourself in. He still loves you. Amen. In Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. He loved us so much that he came to die in our place. Before you ever repented, before you ever had one thought, I'm going to turn my life over to him. Before any of that happened, he said, you know what? I love you so much. Watch this. I'm going to do this for you. Amen. That's what he did. God demonstrates. He shows. He proves. He he, he, he is making sure that you know and you understand. If you ever doubt his love, look at Calvary. Amen. Verse... uh, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. He was willing to pay the ultimate price in the universe to redeem you. The blood that He shed was for you. You say, well, I don't think that I deserve it. None of us deserve it, but that didn't change His mind. He looked at you and saw you at your worst. And He looks at the lost and sees them at their very worst. And He says, I still love them. I still gave my life for them. I want them to have a chance at eternal life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so, if you belong to Jesus, if you turn your life over to Him, you have a brand new, sparkling, clean life. That's what He thinks about you. He says, look, the old life, no matter how good or how bad it was, it wasn't good enough. Amen. And it doesn't matter how bad it was, you you couldn't be too bad. Amen. He said, I'm going to give you a brand new life. And that's for everybody. That's for everybody. That's for the guy on death row. That's for the one who's selling drugs to kids tonight. That's for the one who's prostituting their body tonight. He loves them. He loves them. He wants to give them a brand new life. John, 1 John uh, 3 and verse 1 Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. The Scripture makes it very plain that He considers us personal. It's kind of like you took your dog in, right? You, you, you purchased your dog, or maybe you picked up that stray from the pound, or whatever it was, maybe the humane society. But, but maybe for you, and I know there's some of you that you have rescued some animals, and God bless you. You know, that's, that's just an incredible thing to rescue an animal. And we have a friend that, uh, you know, is, is into that and has their own, like, their own ministry, their own business that does that here in Radcliffe. And it just, it's just incredible. They, they save these, these animals. And, 
and they become precious. Uh, but, but I want you to know that uh, God is even greater than that because he looks at us and he says, look, I don't want to just, I don't want to just adopt you. I, I, I just, I, I want to make you mine. I want you to have all the privileges and benefits, amen, of children of the king. I, I want you to be in the family. Amen. Ephesians 2, 4-7, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Here's, here's the good news. He loves you so much, he's, he's got this exceeding great rich in, riches of mercy. And he's got this plan for you that just far exceeds anything you could even imagine. And he says, look, I've got this great plan. I've got, I want to show you the exceeding riches of my grace. You think that you're so bad off, and you think that you're not worth it, and you think that you'll never be enough. And he says, wait, I've, I want to show you. I want to show you. you. You think you've gone too far, but I've got exceeding riches of grace. Wow. And he says, this is all for you. Your heavenly Father has got a never-ending future for you. He just wants you to come home. He wants you to be in the fold. He wants you to be a part of the family. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Think about it. What, is, what does all this mean? Not only does he want us to be a part of the family, he wants us to reconcile others. He wants us to be able to reach out. The scripture says, as though God were pleading through us. We're ambassadors, as though God were pleading through us. Like, ah, God, you don't really need me. Well, the scripture says that I'm an ambassador. The scripture says that everywhere I go, God is literally pleading through me. Can I, can I bring you back to our focus? The one is worth it. The one is worth it. There, there's probably some one in your life that God is wanting to plead for them through you. You were worth it. You were lost. His word overwhelmingly confirms we are His cherished treasure. He loves us and we should love the lost like God does. We should pursue them with grace. We should be rejoicing whenever they turn back to God or they turn to God for the first time. And I remember growing up, I was kind of an awkward teenager. I was telling somebody just a little bit ago, if Ashton grows the way that I did when I was 12 years old, like they called me Gumby as I would run up the basketball court because my hands and my feet were bigger than the rest of my body. It seemed like, you know, and, and it was because they, they, were, they just grew. It seemed like they grew and they got bigger, but my body was still catching up. And so everything was a little awkward, you know. And so say they said, when I ran, I ran like Gumby. I don't know. But anyways, uh, it was just an awkward year for me, you know. It was kind of different. I was, you know, I was 12. I was still, you know, starting to figure out life. And things were kind of weird and I was kind of awkward. I wasn't really that good at, at basketball, and, but I liked to play basketball. And, and I remember my former youth pastor, Travis Miller, and he reached out to me uh, several times when I was going through hard times, but I was feeling awkward in, in those days. And, and I remember uh, a few times where we were playing basketball. And I don't know if any of you have ever 
been, you know, go stand up against the wall and we're going to pick our teams. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's really awkward, especially if you're not that good, you know? It's like you're waiting over there like, yeah, well, maybe I'll get to play, maybe I won't, you know? And, and I remember thinking that, you know, that he was going to be one of the captains and somebody else was going to be one of the captains and I knew this guy wasn't going to pick me up. He didn't even like me. And then that guy over there, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I probably won't get to play. And so I'm standing there. There's like 30 of us against the wall, right? You can only play 10 people at a time. So it was kind of one of those things where I was like, man, I probably won't get to play tonight. And out of all these people, there was people older than me, people more athletic, better ball players. He picked me first. My, my youth pastor, he picked me first. I'll never forget it. It was kind of, a, it was kind of a, an interesting thing for me because he didn't pick me because I was the best player. He didn't pick me because I had more skill than everybody else out there or because, uh, you know, somebody had paid him to pick me. That, that wasn't maybe, I don't know, maybe they did. I'm not sure. They didn't tell me about that. But uh, he picked me because he wanted me to feel wanted. He knew what I was going through. He had taken the time to find out what was going on in my life, and he wanted me to be wanted. And, and so I can tell you today, it feels good to be wanted. And the good news is, God wants you to be a part of his family. God wants you to be a part of his team. That feeling that you, you feel whenever you feel wanted, whenever you feel included, whenever you feel involved, we were lost I don't know if I can get that through to you tonight. That, that may seem such a foreign concept, but we were lost. Well, I've, I've been around since I was a little kid. You know, I've been around, but I was lost. Amen. I, I, I needed to be found. We can never forget that. We were lost, and God came in pursuit of us to save us by His grace. And when we remember our own desperate need for the grace of God, it's much easier for us to extend it to other people. We will also be more likely to break out of our comfortable, you know, righteous cliques at church. Surrounded by people who already know Jesus. And then what we'll want to do is we'll want to cooperate with Jesus in pursuing the lost to share His love with them. When we start seeing, hey... We were lost, and there's other people who are lost. We, we get so, you know, let me just be honest. We, I think sometimes we just get comfortable. We get comfortable, and we get kind of lazy, preoccupied. We get preoccupied with our own selves and our, our families and our, our issues and all this, and we forget, hey, God is pleading through us. God's already made a way for people and we know what the way is and we have the hope of their salvation and God is reaching for them through us and we're like, oh, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy. I got too much to do. Uh, if you, if you, you know, God, another time when I'm bored and I'm just kind of sitting around wondering what I can do, uh, that's, that's when you can use me. Here's, here's a question for you. Do we expect the lost around us to come on their own and attend church every Sunday morning? I don't. I gave up on that a long time ago. Like, as a matter of fact, if I'm going to be very honest with you, if I had a nickel for every time somebody said that they were coming to church, I'd be, we'd pay this building off in no time. 
I've had hundreds, thousands of people tell me over the years, I'm coming, I'll be there Sunday, and I'm all excited, and I get in the pulpit Sunday, and I'm ready to preach, or we're singing, or whatever, and I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, and into the service, I'm kind of like, oh, they didn't show up. They promised me that they were coming. And, and, and so I think sometimes we think, well, the law should just, if they want to be saved, they ought to march their carcasses in here on Sunday morning. It's, it, it's, I'm, I'm almost finished, believe it or not, but it's, it's about to get like very real here. <laughs> or do we reach beyond the four walls? Is there a way that we can reach out and seek those who do not yet know God? Pastor, you don't understand, I've got a lot going on in my life right now. Um, I've got this, I've got that to handle, my family's got that situation we're dealing with, and there's crisis, and there's this, and there's that, and we, we've got, anybody know what I'm talking about? But what about those people who are in your life right now? What about the one? Jesus said, hey, this is how it's going to be. When the shepherd realizes there's one missing, when there's one lost, when there's one that's supposed to be there that's not there, he leaves the rest of them. Now, I'm not saying you leave the church. That's not the point. But he takes time to go search for. He takes time to go retrieve. He takes time to go be with the one because they're worth it. So my question to you tonight is, who is your one? Who is your one? I don't know that I have one. Get one. I don't know that I can get one. Yes, you can. You can pray. If you pray, God will bring you one. If your heart is ready and your life, your, your aim and your focus is God, let me reach one. It's October, and by January 1st, I want to see somebody that I witnessed to in that baptismal tank. Well, I need one, God, just one. I don't need, a, I don't need 10, I don't need 15. I just want one. All right, so what are we going to do, Pastor? Well, uh, we are trying to do everything that we can to make uh, some options, to make some things available, make it easy. We've got all kinds of Bible studies. We've got all kinds of uh, different things that are available, and, and, and I'm not against any of those. I support all those. That's the way it works, okay? Life groups, Bible studies, uh, you know, all these things that we do, connecting with people, that's great. That's what we've got to keep doing. But I'm saying specifically, who is your one? Who is your one? One of the things that we are going to try to do, we've, we've done this effectively before, uh, but we have coming up in December, the 19th to the 21st, some of you have probably already seen it on Facebook, but we are doing Christmas events. Chris, everybody say Christmas events. It's not a Christmas service and it's not a Christmas party. It's a Christmas event. This is our goal. Our goal is that we would have all kinds of people from our community here in Radcliffe on Thursday night, in Shepherdsville on Friday night, and then in Valley Station on Saturday night. That we would have all kinds of people from the community that you brought. But, you know, I can only bring one. I can only bring two. I don't know anybody. 
do you think between now and December the 19th that you could find one person to bring? I think you could, especially if you tell them it's not a church service. You can win prizes. We're going we're gonna to sing some Christmas songs. We're going to have Christmas food together. It's going to be fun. Oh, you're just tricking me. It's going to be a church service. No, it's really not. And then you can tell them, I can't promise you that they won't pray for you, because we will. But we are trying to create a very simple event for you to bring somebody to, one person to, at a time when they're probably already thinking a little bit about Jesus. There's no time like the Christmas holiday that people are, hey, what about this, this Jesus? Yeah, they think about him at Easter, but... Easter and Christmas, you know, we've got Santa and bunnies that try to take over. But I will say in Christmas, at least it has stayed uh, more of the time when people are thinking, they're thinking about Jesus. So we want to capitalize on that. We want to take advantage of that and say, all right, are we going to be busy that weekend, the weekend right before Christmas? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're all going to be busy. We're all going to have something that we have to do. We have to have last-minute shopping. We have to get last-minute preparations for family or going out of town or whatever it is. Are we going to be busy? Yes. But are we going to take time for the one? That's the question. So this is something that we can do. This is something very simple. And you say, well, I want to know what I can do. Well, first of all, we want you to bring somebody. Second of all, Christy, wave your hand. If you want to help us with those events, please see Christy and sign up. Say, what can I do to help? We need about 35 people each night to do all the stuff that we want to do. So we need you to sign up. We need you to go to Christie's, say, hey, I want to put me down. I can be there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I can be there Thursday and Saturday or whatever you, whatever you have available and take the time. It'll be about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes of, of the event. It may be a little bit of time setting up before, a little bit of time cleaning up afterwards. But that's what you can, you can plan on reaching out and bringing somebody in. Furthermore, once you see how cool it is, you're going to be like, woohoo! I'm glad I brought somebody. We're going to have a photographer that's going to be able to take family pictures for people. We're going to have uh, different things that are available, prizes that are available. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to take a, a moment to read the Christmas story. And then we're going to pray for specific needs that people have. But it's going to be a good time. And this is going to be an, an opportunity for us to see if we really want to reach out to the one. Small churches can make a big impact in evangelism. You know, did you notice, and I'm just going to just point something out. I'm, I'm very transparent with you here tonight. Did you notice that we were all like, yes, the one's worth it. And then I start telling you what exactly we need to do. And you all look at me like I've lost my mind. Yes, the one is worth it. Wait a second. Wait, wait. What, what am I signing up for? Around Christmas? Pastor. I like being carnal around Christmas time. Hallelujah. Can I just be real and point out the obvious? That's our human nature. That's our carnal nature that's like, uh, I might be able to, but I'm probably going to be too busy. So how can we make a big impact? First of all, we need to start, uh, we need to make a commitment to do the basics with intentionality. 
What do you mean by that? I mean, uh, there's some very simple things that we need to do, but one of, the, one of the easiest things we can do is continue to look for ways to reach the one. Pray for them. Fast for them. Reach for them. Pray for them, fast for them, reach for them. How do I reach for them? I don't want to, you know, I've already asked them to come to church 150 times, and they always say no. Maybe it's not you asking them to come to church. Maybe it's you just being there for them. Maybe it's you sharing what God has done in your life, and then they want to know a little bit more. I don't know, but I, I have found that when people ask me questions, that's the time that I us, uh, usually try to share what little bit that I can. And I don't point to me, and I don't point to the church, I point to Jesus. He's the one that makes the difference in my life. So whenever somebody sees something good, I point to Jesus. Because whenever I do that, people want to know more. What can we do, Pastor? How can we do this? Well, yes, we need to reach out, we need to invite, we need to pray, we need to fast. And then we need to be hospitable to them when they're here, and we need to follow up with them after they've been here. We're doing a pretty good job of being friendly at this church. We do a pretty good job of greeting people and welcoming people, but don't let it stop there. Did you, did you stay in contact with them? Do you know what's going on in their life? It's like, well, I see them every once in a while on Sunday. I don't know what's going on with them, but well, find out. Talk to them. Make it a point to be, let them know, hey, we want you here. We want you to be a part of the family. We want you to be a part of the team. We're excited about what God is doing. So in closing, I just want to ask you to focus one more time on the one. There's at least one, right? There's at least one. I, I, I don't know. Some of you, you're, you're dealing with things, and, and some of the stuff that you deal with is, Pastor, I'm not even who God wants me to be yet, so how could I ever reach for somebody? Well, that's exactly why. Because if you were perfect, it was all about you. You had everything figured out. Then they wouldn't see Jesus, they would see you. But as long as you are letting His strength be made perfect in your weakness, and you're seeking every day to be more like Him, and let Him correct the things that aren't right, and, and, and He's working on you, guess what? The one is going to notice. I'm not perfect. I'm forgiven. Amen. The old song says, I haven't yet arrived, but I'm on my way. Amen. Jesus found me and he forgave me. Can't say I'm perfect, but I can say I'm saved. And, and every day I try to get closer to him. Every day I, I want to be a little bit more like him. And so as we think about who our one is and we think about how much we, we want to be involved, I want to ask you this question. Are we more like Jesus or are we more like those who criticized Jesus? The, the verse we read, right? It says, Jesus was spending his time reaching for the sinners. And the, the religious people came by and they were like, oh, Jesus is with sinners. When was the last time somebody was like, oh, you spend too much time with the sinners? I'm not talking about, uh, you know, because you're trying to reach them. I'm talking about, you know, or because you're, you're doing the things that they're doing. I'm saying that you're, you're spending your time trying to reach them. You're spending your time uh, going to coffee with them or having them come to your house. Or When, when was the last time that you, you said, man, I'm going out of my way to do this, but wow. What, what, what could God do with this? 
can I be very uh, just real right here? And, and I, I don't. I hope this doesn't offend you, but I don't think there's one of us in here that has the time. I don't think we have the time. We don't really have the time to reach for lost people. There's not one of us that does. But that's so uh, the more the much more the reason why we need to make the time. Make the time. Make the time to go to somebody. Make the time to spend time with them. Make the time to, to do something for them, to be thoughtful, to be prayerful, and to reach into their life. Because the one matters to him. And Jesus said, I didn't come to seek those who were well. I came to seek after those who were sick. The ones who are sick, those are the ones who need a physician. And he said, you know, uh, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And as long as we are his people and we are his body, what do you think his body would do? His body would follow what the head does. The head is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ made it a point, his point, to go out of the way to reach the lost. So Zacchaeus may be up in the tree as you walk by. Bartimaeus may be crying out to you as you walk down the road. Or it may be that crazy lady in her pajamas at Walmart. I don't know. But I can tell you that if you'll pray about it and you'll be sensitive, there will be one. Pastor, I'm not, I don't think I'm spiritual enough. To, well, can I tell you, this is, this is, it's crazy that you would say that. Because you know what will actually help you to get closer to God and have a better relationship? Is to put your faith in action. To actually reach for somebody. To, instead of being, you know, dormant and sitting on the bench... To get in the game. Ashton, we went the other night. He had a JV game. And we showed up at the place. Nice little place. Interesting place. And uh, they started their varsity team against the JV guys. And Ashton was like, Dad, he said, I'll be honest with you. He said, I was kind of hoping I wouldn't get put in the game. <laughs> he said, those guys were big and they were fast. And I thought about that today, and I thought, there's some of us that we're, we're sitting on the bench at church like, God, I really, you don't really have to put me in the game. Because that devil out there, he is mean, and he is fast, and he's big and scary. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I'm ready to go in yet. Can I tell you, the best way for you to learn is get in the game. What did I tell you, Ashton? Be aggressive. That's exactly what I told you. I said, dude, you just got to get in there and get after it and be aggressive. I said, will you get knocked down? Yes, you'll probably get knocked down. Will they block your shot? Yeah, they'll probably block your shot. But it's okay. That's how you learn. Man, I can't tell you how many shots I've had blocked. I can't tell you how many times I've thrown up an air ball. It's horrible. I mean, sometimes you just look like, you know, the, the biggest idiot out there trying to play basketball. You can't do You know what? The reason why some of us don't get any better is because we don't play. And the reason why some of us don't ever reach the people that God wants us to reach is because we are content to sit on the sidelines. And God said, but the one, the one is worth it. Go after the one. I, I understand, uh, Jeremy told me, uh, 
that this past, I think it was this past Sunday, that Ashton banks in a three, a game winner or something like that. It was a big deal. Like, place, they just, all the guys erupted. It wasn't a game winner, but it was a three. He banked in a three. I'm telling you, the one is worth it. The one is worth it. Brother Josh comes over, picks him up, right? They sell it, everybody's celebrating. Why? Because it's a big deal. It's a big deal. You may not get everybody that you reach for. You may not get everybody that you pray for. But every once in a while, you're going to sink a three. Every once in a while, somebody's going to surprise you, and they're going to show up, Sister Geta. Amen. Every once in a while, Christina, Fred's going to walk in and say, I'm getting baptized today. I made up my mind. I'm getting baptized today. Every once in a while, you're going to have Krista that says, I didn't want to speak in tongues, but I did. You never know what God's going to do. It's not our job to fill them with the Holy Ghost. It's not our job to shake them down and make them feel religious. We just got to get them to close to Jesus. We got to introduce them to the one who can make the difference in their life. Amen. And I know they may look like it's a mess right now. They, some of you say they're a hot mess. They may look like a hot mess right now, but they matter to God. And the one is worth it. Would you stand with me? This is just the beginning. We're going to talk about this some more. But I, I want you to understand that God is seeking lost people. God is seeking for the lost. He is actually he's in search of them. He is, he is pulling on their heartstrings. And he, he's touching them. When you pray for them and you fast, don't ever discount what you're doing. Because when you pray and you fast, something happens in the heaven. And God says, you know what? I, you know what, I'm sending extra angels down there today. We're going we're gonna to work on this heart even a little bit more. We're going to see if we can't speed up this process a little bit. Why? Because you're praying, you're fasting, and you are moving heaven for them. You say, well, I haven't seen anything. I've been praying for a while. I've been fasting for a while. I just don't see, I don't see any result from that. Amen. Don't give up. If, it's, if it doesn't show up there, it's going to show up eventually. Amen. And, and, you know, the Scripture says that we shouldn't be weary in well-doing because we will reap if we do not faint in due season. I don't know when due season is. I think it's deer season, but when in due season, in due season, amen, it might be, it might not yet be due season for you. I don't know. But I know one thing, due season's coming. It's, it's on its way. So, Jesus, tonight we ask you to speak to us. God, we have so many things that we could spend our time and our focus doing. And God, over the next several weeks, we're going to have holidays, we're going to have planning, we're going to have parties, we're going to have services, we're going to have get-togethers, we're going to watch uh, uh, sport games, we're going to talk to people, we're going to have office uh, interactions, we're going to have all kinds of things. And God, I'm praying that you would divinely uh, intervene in some of these situations and give us an open door to reach the one that is hungry, to reach the one, God, that is praying, if there is a God, I want to know Him. If there is really something 
given to this Jesus, I want to have an experience with Him. And God, that You would plead through us, that You would do the work, God, through our lives, through our actions, through our words, and through our care for them. And God, that they would feel Your love. And Lord, that we would see what You want to do over the next uh, few months, God, moving into the new year of what You want to do in these special lives, God, that You have ordained to come out of darkness and into Your marvelous light. And God, help us to pray. Help us to fast. Help us to reach for the one. And God, we'll give You the glory and the praise. And it will change our lives as we see them come and turn their lives over to You. And God, we're expecting You to do what we cannot do. And God, we'll give You the glory for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 God bless you. We will see you. I don't know that there's any special announcements other